Thanks for joining me on this journey and welcome to the Journey with Jenny podcast on SM Enlightenment Radio or TV, where we hit all the topics that help and encourage you on this journey of life. Everything from health to mindset to business to finances, anything that helps you and makes your life better, we cover it all. Welcome, friends. Tonight we are talking about farming and not just any farming, but local farming and organic farming. And why does that matter? What are the benefits and what does it mean to you and to your family? Well, this is a special treat, especially for all of my local Connecticut listeners, because we have a special guest tonight, Jessica Stone. Jessica Stone is with me to discuss all this and share her insights with us. So let me just share a little bit about who she is and what her background is. So Jess Stone grew up in East Haddam, Connecticut, where she enjoyed the country life and abundant nature all around. She chose to be a farmer at the age of seven and knew that someday she would move back to the area to start a farm. Jess attended college at the University of Maine, Leslie University, Audubon Expedition Institute, and Sterling College. She holds degrees in sustainable agriculture, natural resource management, environmental studies, education, and therapeutic recreation. Jess is a certified organic land care professional and has extensive background in holistic management. As a beyond organic farmer, Jess's focus is on soil microbiology and believes the crops she grows are just a byproduct of her true wealth, the soil. In addition to vegetables, herbs, flowers, and fruits, she also raises healthy and happy cows, pigs, sheep, goats, chickens, ducks, geese, turkeys, dogs, cats, and kids and who all share the good life. Her farm and home, which she shares with her husband, Jeff, who helps in his off work time, is a full diet, full heart, year round farm, a true passion brought to life. It's a place where folks come from all around the world to learn and to grow. Since Jess truly believes you are what you eat, hmm, where have we heard that before? She operates a year round farm stand where folks can visit to do their grocery shopping, pack their own CSA shares, and stock up on everything from fresh produce, meat, eggs, dairy products, bakery items, canned goods, and so much more. So this is going to be such a great discussion tonight. Please help me in welcoming Jess Stone. Welcome. Hi. Hey, I am so glad you were here. So glad to have you. Thanks for having me. Yes. Oh, my goodness. This is going to be such a great conversation because I'm looking forward to really kind of picking your brain, learning a lot, asking a lot of questions, and just having you share with us um, some things that you might be helpful for us tonight. So why don't you just start off um, in your own words, and we just shared a lot of specifics on your farm and and what it offers, and we're going to talk more specifically about your farm specifically in in the second segment. Um, But just to kind of introduce yourself a little bit more and just so the audience can get to know you. Okay, so I'm Jess Stone, and Cold Spring Farm is my third farm back in Connecticut. Uh, The first couple of farms that I lived on and worked on and owned, uh, I outgrew really quickly. 
And mm -hmm. I realized as time went on that I needed more space to grow more food. And that even though we could grow a lot in a small amount of acreage, and we was really me at the time, just <laughs> with absolutely no help. Um, <laughs> I knew that I wanted something to build on and I wanted to feed more people. And so my goals were always about feeding myself because food has always been my special interest. But, but as I grew more, I realized the, that the importance of feeding people um, was just so big in my life. Um, people would find me in various ways through farmer's markets or through orders um, they would visit the farm randomly, stop by and not really know what they were getting themselves into. And so as the interest grew, I realized that there was really a demand and I, I always hoped there would be, but I knew my main objective was to feed myself and, and um, someday grow this farm into a place where people could come together and the community could celebrate around agrarian life. Um, it's something that's always mattered a lot to me because I grew up in a community where farming was part of the heritage, part of the background, part of the history. Um, and it was fading into the background. It was mm. kind of laughed at uh, when I was a kid. I hmm. grew up uh, hearing that you couldn't make a living farming, that people just weren't doing it anymore. And, and as I obtained my education, even in, at the high school level, studying vocational agriculture and reading all the textbooks and participating in all of the, you know, the different um, opportunities, which I was fortunate to have, like Future mm -hmm. Farmers of America, mm -hmm. um, I just realized that we were so far removed from our food source. And it was really mm -hmm. important to find ways to connect people to it. And that that was the only way as a farmer that I would actually be successful is if I could bring people to food in a myriad of ways. Um, and so that meant bringing them to the farm. And so mm -hmm. the reason that we offer different events and opportunities for families, for, you know, very young kids, for, for adults even. Um, and it, it's, been, it's been really great to see it grow and to be able to grow it and have the energy to do it. Yes. Because... <laughs> yes. <laughs> you have a lot of energy. That is so true. <laughs> Even at this hour, no. I know, I know. <laughs> yes, we will forgive you for any missteps or yeah, anything because this is very late for you that we are recording this. Like you are, what time do you get up? Ask me in four in the morning, you'll get a whole different person. But okay, four in the morning, that was the answer. <laughs> so that, so so interesting. I don't I don't think you know this, but so I grew up in the farm life as well for the beginning stages of my life. And so we at least have that in common. Um I grew up in Lancaster, uh, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And so the Amish were literally my neighbors. We were on farms. We didn't do the farming, but we were neighbors of the people that did the farming. So I definitely grew up in that area for a big chunk of my uh childhood. So I I do I I respect the farm life. I um I think it's really fascinating. It's really interesting. I love that you loved it from an early age. And that's fascinating that even though you were growing up in that environment, that even then you were being told that it, you don't have a future in it, which I think is interesting because I would not have assumed that from where I was growing up. So that's, that's interesting that that was the case. And you're like, no, <laughs> we're going to make this different. <laughs> yeah, my, my line was, watch me. <laughs> I love it. The determination. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I swear I didn't do it for that reason, but I realized that like people had decided, yeah, we're, this mm -hmm. is not part of our community anymore. And I said, yes, it is. 
Yeah. It absolutely needs to be. We can't forget our roots. I agree. I, so why, why do you say local farming is so important? Because you mentioned that about being connected, being closer to our food source and the importance of that. So why, why is that important? So there's like about a million ways <laughs> that I can think of why that would be, that is true. Um, and I am a little biased, of course, but I do know that the reasons I was really interested in becoming a farmer was because I couldn't get any good food anywhere. Mm. And I actually had a pretty good palate. And I knew that when I ate certain things, I didn't feel well. Mm. And when I ate other things, I felt well. And so as a result of not having very many options and kind of growing up without a whole lot of anything, I, I grew gardens and mm. they would get bigger and bigger based on my interest in eating real food. And, and it was, it was something I really loved. And I realized very early on that it was an excuse to be outdoors, that it was, I loved being in nature and I could always be in nature if I was farming. Um, and even when I was scaling it on a very small scale, I just, I, I, obtained so much joy. Like it was such a joyful experience to be outside and to be in the sunshine and to have my hands in soil. It felt healthy in all of the ways that, um, that everything should, you know, so it was, yeah. it was physical, it was mental. Um, it was everything. And, um, it was solace. It was peace and quiet. It was listening to the birds. It was, um, feeling the wind coming through the trees and the, the scents and the aromas of nature were amazing. And I got very attached to those very early on as, as children get attached mm. to lots of things. We have these memories that yeah. are, you know, become comfort, right? So mm -hmm. it's, it's a smell or a taste or, you know, any of our sensorial experiences are what bring us closer. And so mm -hmm. nowadays um, we're, we're so much further away mm -hmm. from food and what that it means for us. Um, it's, it's to be eating locally is a whole different experience. Um, it's not the same to go to a grocery store and buy something that is labeled as certified organic or mm. um, nature raised or free range or you know all of these mm -hmm. naturally grown, right? All of yep. these names, these marketing schemes essentially yep. that convince people that what they're eating is healthy. When mm -hmm. in fact, the closest thing to health is beneath your feet, it's the mm. soil. And if you're not doing it yourself, you should be going to the closest person you can who's growing food and get it from them. So, and, and I'm hoping um, that there will be more farmers in the future who can feed more people because I think that's our challenge. Um, there is no shortage of food in the world. It's accessibility. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and then yeah. it's also our bureaucratic systems. It's our, mm -hmm. it's our world perspective on food mm -hmm. that prevents people from accessing it. And so the more farmers there are, if there's more of a small local movement and we need, maybe we, you know, we should, we should definitely not be getting food from really large farms. We should be getting food from as many small farmers as we can, mm -hmm. spending as many dollars of them as possible to keep them doing it. Um, it's, it's better for your health. It's better for your mental health, your physical mm -hmm. health, your overall well-being. When something feels good to do, it also feels good to eat and it also tastes good. It tastes better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Not because it does, but because there's a mental tie to it. Uh -huh. right? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's very important that it, uh, that a farmer who takes care of soil produces food that is nutrient dense and worth eating. Mm. So dive into that a little bit. Um, 
because I saw that your degree was in this. So like, I'm sure you could get way more technical than we could probably yes, handle. Yes. <laughs> I love technical, but I guess we probably don't want to go too deep, but I, uh, no pun intended, but that was a good one, yes. um, in the soil. So I really am very interested in this. So I'm, you're very good at doing things in layman's terms. So like, t- talk to me about that though, because I do want to do some details on, t- like, I mean, I've heard that on a very high level mm-hmm. is that our, the, we, the foods today are not the same because the soil is not the same. So right. like what has happened to this soil and why you mentioned that big farms is not where we should be getting our food. What is the difference between big farm soil and local farm soil? And why does that matter? So, so local farms, the soil at local farms tends to be uh, managed differently, right? So when you are a small farmer, you are using your hands to grow mm-hmm. food. When you are a large farmer or have a big farm, a lot of land spread out and you are growing um, hundreds and hundreds of acres of crops, you aren't touching the soil. You're using a tractor mm. or that far removed, that high up off the ground. And often nowadays, like these are air conditioned cabs. You're not experiencing the wind. You're not smelling the smells of nature. You're not hearing the birds because you're blasting the radio in a GPS controlled tractor. (laughs) Where am I on the farm? (laughs) Blasting in your face. I'm sorry, but your hands are not in that soil, right? The the equipment, the heavy use of equipment, it creates Mm -hmm. compaction in the soil. It kills microorganisms, which help everything to thrive. So if the soil is able to thrive, um, it means that it's teeming with life. If you're on a big tractor, you're killing life, Hmm. right? And you're doing it repeatedly because it's not just that you're on that tractor one time, you're on there for plowing, you're on there for harrowing, you're on there for disking, you're on there for planting, you're on there for harvesting, you're on there for weeding. How many times in a season can you run over that soil and expect it to be alive? Hmm. Often big agriculture involves the use of chemicals and fertilizers and pesticides and herbicides and fungicides and all kinds of horrifying things because they're growing on a massive scale. It doesn't mean that organic practices can't be um, implemented. It just makes it a lot harder Mm -hmm. because you're constantly undoing the work that you're trying to do by killing the organisms in the soil. So on a small, small scale, on a local scale, because your hands are in the soil and you're really either indirectly or unintentionally or intentionally not compacting it with equipment all the time, you are also feeding. If you give back to the soil, if you're that type of farmer on a smaller scale with your hands in, the hands have less impact, Mm -hmm. right? You're working the soil, you're moving it, there's aeration happening, organisms actually have a fighting chance. Mm -hmm. if you're creating compost and you're bringing material back to the gardens, then you are feeding the microorganisms Mm -hmm. that will help your biological life to thrive. And where Mm -hmm. you have biological activity and a healthy amount of it, you have biologically good product that comes Mm -hmm. from it, right? So if you look at soil itself as an organism, it's a healthy organism. And to keep it all in balance, you have to constantly give back. And when you're on a small scale, it's possible to do that. So at the local source, our food has more potential to have a bit higher nutritional value than food that's grown on a large, large scale. Um, And so when we eat that food, we also feel good. We We get more out of it. There's more nutrition involved. Interesting. That is really fascinating because I have never thought about the impact of the tractors. Like, and and that makes total sense because actually the uh, last 
um, episode that I did was on gut health and talking about that. And so I see a lot of parallels with that was talking about all the microorganisms and everything that's involved in our gut, which I know you know a lot about that. That's why you do what you do. And so it's just interesting to see that parallel. And of course, all the microorganisms in the dirt. And that's one of the reasons why saying eating dirt is actually good for your gut health. And that is why. So that's such yeah. an amazing tie. Like that yeah. is so fascinating. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so to bring it even more full circle, like we have, you know, farm animals, right? We have a lot of animals on the farm, yep. uh, anywhere from a thousand to 1500 at any given time, right? Wow. And they're all producing their own material, which gets added to our compost making mm -hmm. process, which inadvertently ends up in our gardens, right? Yeah. Yes. Very intentionally, it ends up back. We're feeding the soil with that, that uh, yes. those microorganisms, which are thriving. Yes. yes. And so if, if you are consciously doing this, you, you end up helping the good bacteria in the soil thrive, right? And the bad mm -hmm. bacteria, now there's always good guys and bad guys in the yep. world, even in the movies. Yes. <laughs> But really, that's how how nature works too, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yes. You've got prey. So yep. it, it <laughs> but the key question is, is it in balance? Right. And if it's in balance, then you're doing something right. You're doing a whole lot of things right. But really, you want the good bacteria to outnumber the bad bacteria. Mm -hmm. and that's actually what keeps things in check. And there's lots of ways to feed that soil to ensure that the good bacteria thrive. Um, and when you do that, you end up with better results. You, you end up with fewer insect pests. Um, yeah, they exist, but they're more balanced. They're not devastating your crops. Interesting. Right? So with our animals, because they're helping to produce things, they actually get a lot of their food. Their, their food sources are in our gardens. We feed them mm -hmm. garden scraps. We feed them vegetables. We feed them we grow specific things just for them to eat, even in the winter, so that they're always eating green foods. Uh, and, and it, and it really does show in the quality of the products that they produce. But with that said, um, their inner biology, their gut health, when we're doing it right, matches ours. Yeah. And that in turn matches the soil. So it's all coming full circle at a yearly cycle. Isn't that incredible? Yes, that is so cool. And it's so interesting because so with one of my big sources that I used for talking about the gut health is. Um, Dr. Will B, and I can't even pronounce his last name, but he wrote a book called Fiber Fueled. And I didn't go into this in that episode, but he does talk about in there about how doctors will use poop to to treat illnesses and and to to heal the body. And so, and it's exactly what you just described. So that's it makes sense. It's totally yeah. fascinating. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. Oh, this is all tying together so, so well. Oh my goodness. So you touched on a lot of the things and we only have a couple more minutes um, in the segment to, before we go to break. Um, but do you have anything else you want to share with that? Like the whole big picture of farming in the U.S. versus the local farm or anything more um, about the local farm in general that you want to kind of alert us to or share with us? I think if I were to share one important thing, it would be that we really need to make every effort to support local farms over bigger farms, over grocery stores. Of course, all food is grown on farms, right? Mm -hmm. But we need to really hone in on our local farmers because we need to ensure that they will still exist mm -hmm. in three years, in five years, in 10 mm -hmm. years. Uh, most farmers, the average age of most farmers around the U.S. now is between the ages of 55 and 65. Wow. And I can tell you it's been like that for 25 years. It has not changed in all the years that I've looked at those stats. 
So huh. with all the new farms cropping up and the influx of young farmers, a lot of them are not sticking with it. Folks are using farming as an excuse for retirement. Let me do this now. I love gardening. I love being outside. Let me toil around, right? Mm-hmm. But in the long run, if we're going to make local farms thrive, if we're going to help them thrive, if we're going to be able to take them seriously, we need them to last a long, long time. They need to last more than a few years. They need to last for two or three or four decades and ideally pass the farm to the next person in their family who has a genuine interest in seeing it out. Um, If we can do that, if we can go out of our way, because a lot of local farms have trouble with resources, obtaining money for marketing. Marketing is a big issue for local farmers. Interesting. Get to them, either farmer's market or their farm stands, or they have special events, whatever we can do to support them is going to help ensure they're there in the long term. Hmm. That's so interesting. I, I, I guess it makes sense with you saying about the marketing, but I would not have thought that that would have been one of the top issues that farmers have, but it makes sense mm-hmm. because how, like it's, it's getting the message out, letting people know that they're there. Yes. Um, I even got a flyer for a farm local to me um, that I was like, Oh, I, I didn't know they were right there. <laughs> like, I mean, and there's a lot of farming in Connecticut, which is great. Yes. Probably not as much as there maybe ought to be, but there, there is quite a few, at least quite right. a bit, at least right. in our areas um, in the central region that we're in. Um, but it, it is interesting. So the marketing piece, so, huh, I can definitely connect farms with marketers. That's a good thing to know. Mm-hmm. It's, a yeah. big, it's a big one. Yeah. Interesting. Awesome. Well, that this is, I've already learned a ton. So this is amazing. So, and I, um, I don't want to cut you off. Was there any one more thing? Cause we have to get time. That's all. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Perfect. So great. Well, that is awesome. And so that was a great big picture overview of farming in the U S of the value of local farms. And then when we come back from our break, we're going to dive into your farm and what you offer. And I'm really excited about this because I know a few things, but I don't know all of them. So I'm excited to learn all the different things that you offer. So thank you everyone for joining us on Journey with Jenny. We're going to take a quick break and come back. And we are with Jess Stone talking about farming. So thank you for joining us on SM Enlightenment Radio and TV. And we'll be right back. Welcome back to Journey with Jenny. We are talking with Cold Spring Farm owner, Jess Stone, and we have just had a very enlightening conversation on present-day farming in America and why it is so important now more than ever to get produce, meat, veggies, fruit, all of it from local farms. So now let's take a look at one of those local farms so that you can get produce that you can get produce from. And that is Cold Spring Farm in uh, Colchester. So this farm is truly amazing, expansive, and more expansions to come, actually. So I'm excited to jump into 
all the things. Um, I'm not even quite sure where to start, but I'm thinking maybe uh, we'll start with what is here presently. And um, let's start with the produce shed. So it is open every day, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., which I think is really interesting. You can kind of tell us how that works, um, where we can find it, like what we can find in that. Okay. So our, our farm stand um, has been an honor system for over 20 years. Wow. Um, and every farm that I've uh, had, right, I've had a farm stand and I felt that the honor system was the way to bring the community in connection with the farm. Um, I have always said that the reason I do it is because it's the world that I want to live in. Hmm. Um, I want to trust people. I want people to trust me. They're trusting me to grow their food. And so in thereby I'm trusting them to come and support the farm because the only way I can make a living doing this to continue doing it is if they are honest, right? Mm -hmm. It works both ways. So that has always been very important. And so this farm stand has expanded over the years. It went from like a little roadside stand with just a little roof overhang, a little bench seat and a bolted cash box in, right? (laughs) (laughs) Green or shine, there's stuff there unless the wind blows, right? (laughs) (laughs) To to a more enclosed box, right? Like a little (laughs) structure. And then eventually that, you know, I was able to wire some power to it and that felt really fancy (laughs) evolving from that, realizing, wow, it's really hard to keep produce in in good condition continuously. It's a lot of work without refrigeration, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so even in the olden days, they understood that. So if I a little bit, you know, more professional, (laughs) added some power. And then um, later on, we expanded the size. We actually tripled the size of that stand, moved its location, turned the old building into something else on the farm. And then, um, and we've actually since doubled the size of that. So it's a lovely, large space. It's about 24 by 24. um, And it is loaded with um, glass merchandiser, refrigerators, and freezers. We offer our produce of all kinds, herbs, you know, so vegetables, herbs, flowers, and fruits. We have all of our own meats from the farm, our own eggs, like our chicken, our duck, our goose eggs. Um, we offer do all of our own canning. So we put up about 4,500 jars a year right now. Wow. Yeah. And that's a variety of different things, but um, pretty much everything in there is what I want to eat. And I, yes. I, I have a diverse palate. I love food. <laughs> And so like, there's a lot in there. Like I'm not picky. So um, I'm not a picky eater. I just care about the quality. So the quality yeah. is there and we have just about everything in even coffee. Um, oh, the beans, but I do contribute with the roasting. So and we're looking to get, wow, yeah. I did not know that. <laughs> oh my goodness. Cool? Yeah. Yes. Yes. So anything honor is there's like in your body matters. So we have soaps and we have some lotions. We have some uh, actually cleaning products that people can come in, um, you know, get bulk quantities of so they can take it home and use it as often as they want and then come and refill at a refill station inside the farm stand. Really? Um, yeah, we have everything from like homemade Bloody Mary mixers to, you know, so like cocktail mixers and other wow. things. Um, you really do cover everything. Why? <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not done, but I'm getting there, right? I'm making- <laughs> um, and then we have very clean baked goods. So we have... Um, Bakery goods like breads and scones and muffins, because if you are going to do some carb loading, you may as well do it right, right? Exactly. (laughs) Healthier ingredients, it's cleaner. 
um, because we know everyone's doing it. So <laughs> it's yeah, really, exactly. Yeah. Give us some options. Everything, right. Right. It definitely yes. should be like supplemental and there it is. So when you want it, it's there. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of products in there. There really are. There's olive oils and vinegars and spice blends and teas and, um, even like beef jerky. We even have doggy cigars from a local company that makes them like some people can get the like treats for their dogs because often they come up to the farm stand with dogs in their cars and I have five dogs. So naturally I'm interested in supporting the cause. Absolutely. I know that from, um, from events I've done in the past, like those are always big things were the, the natural dog treats that people would make. So yeah, that's brilliant actually. Yeah. So yeah. wait a minute. So back up a little bit. So you sell goose eggs? We do. We do. Really? So like, is you would just do that just like a chicken egg, you would use it the same way or? You can, you absolutely can. So, um, so chicken eggs, like, I don't know if my hands are really going to reveal the size of a chicken egg, right? But if you can picture yeah. just a, your average chicken egg yep, um, and you double the size, you have a duck egg. If you triple or quadruple the size, you have a goose egg. Wow. And I have a classic like 12 inch cast iron pan which is how I do most of my cooking in cast iron uh-huh. and um one goose egg will fill the entire base of that pan really mm-hmm. and they're nutrient dense so are duck eggs but when you're making like custards or other baked goods like duck goose duck eggs and goose eggs are where it's at like that is what is the game changer you know like you could do nothing different except change the egg and it will literally blow your mind. The, the difference is drastic. That's fascinating. Wow. Yeah. The yolk is bigger. The white is bigger. So like there's a lot more protein. There's just a lot more nutrition, but, and they are very special. Like, so we have um, a conservancy breed of goose that is rare. It's considered rare um, around the world. And it, they lay uh, up to 28 eggs a year. And in comparison to chickens, like we have at chickens in general will lay anywhere, depending on the, the species or the breed, right? Mm-hmm. Anywhere from 100, 100 eggs a year to 300 eggs a year. Wow. To give you an idea. So most of our egg layers on the farm lay anywhere from 200 to 300 eggs a year uh, because mm-hmm. we really do go through a lot of eggs. We sell a lot of eggs. We cook with a lot of eggs, right? Yeah. So, important to have a lot of eggs and they're very productive <laughs> for all the New England weather because again you know the standard quote is if you don't like the weather just wait five minutes exactly so, so, that. so that's important <laughs> yes wait so yes. random question about the geese then so and I don't know anything about that breed that you just said um but like so you know geese like fly and they go find another pond like do your geese do that too and then come back to you or do you keep they them on the farm don't. They stay on the farm. They have the ability to fly up, but they are very large birds. This particular breed is called an American buff and they could not fly like a mallard duck or, or a Canadian goose. They can't go long, long distances, but they can totally fly out if they wanted. But because of that, that means a predator could come in. So we have special fencing that keeps the sky open, but it also helps to, it curves over the fencing so that there is 
um, not a lot of opportunity for either to happen. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Fascinating. Yes. Wow. Oh my goodness. You offer so much. So then you mentioned um, actually, or maybe I mentioned it in the beginning about um, the things that you offer. Then you mm-hmm. also have a CSA. So tell us for those that don't know what a CSA is, tell us what it is and tell us a little bit about it. Okay. So the general CSA concept started in the 1970s and it stands for community supported agriculture. And, and I always joke, like, I don't know what CSA means. It could mean chic surface area. (laughs) Right. So like, what does it really mean? And I'm like, well, CSA could really mean a lot of things. It could mean back out to the farmer's market and support the farmer. Right. Yeah. So so what I've done, because I, you know, the the, truthfully in the seventies, the CSA model wasn't very successful and it had like a rehatching or a rebirth, like a a decade or two later, I think it was really two decades later where it started to gain some traction and it's taken a really long time. But the general concept is that the customer or the person who wants to eat the consumer, the eater, right. Mm -hmm. um, Chooses a particular farm to support and to purchase a share of food, right. So they're buying a share of food, but instead of going to the grocery store and paying as you go, you're actually making an investment in the farm and you're paying up front for your entire season worth of fresh produce. So usually it's vegetables, but some farms will offer vegetables and a few fruits. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with our CSA, so essentially what you, what you do is you pay in advance and that helps the farmer offset their initial costs. Mm-hmm. So depending on the type of farmer, right, it could be that they're buying fertilizer if that's the type of farm, right? Mm-hmm. Could they're, you know, maybe they're bringing in compost, but they need to purchase seeds. They need to buy tomato steaks. They need to, you know, just set up their gardens in general to be able to produce this food. And so what it's doing is it's giving the farmer a little bit of income in the earlier part of the year where the income isn't really coming in in the winter and maybe the early spring. And it's helping set that farmer up for success during the main season. And so the farmer has agreed that they will grow this food for the CSA shareholders and that the CSA shareholders have agreed to eat it, right? Yes. <laughs> to take the risk. It's a, it's a balance of rewards and risks, right? Yeah. <laughs> there's a horrible season and the farmer can't product, provide a particular product, then, you know, the, the shareholder agrees to understand that that is just the mm-hmm. way it is, but there's enough diversity to find the balance. And so mm-hmm. do really, it is a, a, it's a risk of, in a reward system for everyone. Mm. Um, and, and it is really a lovely relationship and there's usually opportunities for the customers to get involved with things in, on the, on the farm or really, yes. So, so our particular program is unique in that, um, and that we don't just offer what's, you know, we, we always offer what's available. We, but we actually let the customer come and shop for their own food share. Really? Yes. So, so I think in modern day, there's, there's a twist on this. They call mix and match system. Okay. Uh, but we've done that forever because I think for psychological reasons alone, you know, if you're going to the grocery store, you're going because you want to have a choice and right. what you want to consume, right? Yeah. So I think like the model for us makes sense too, where we, we invite customers to come to the farm stand and choose what they want to put in their baskets. Oh. They choose a size, a basket size, and that's their share for the season. So they can choose a squat or a peck and a, or a half bushel. And those are sizes that I've come up with based on old school farm terminology from way back in the day. 
I was gonna say I don't know squat. I know the bushel and the peck, but yeah, the because yeah. <laughs> we're just so long, right? <laughs> so, well, that too. But yeah, also, I do know that from yeah, from being on the right. farm and being at on the um, I lived on an orchard too. So I do cool. know those, but uh, yeah, I don't know the squat though. Yeah, and I'm all and I, we call, I call it the other name. I call it is the token chair. It's like I want to support the farm, but I either eat, don't eat a lot of vegetables, or I'm not home often, or I or I, you know, eat out a lot, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, but, but I also joke, like, don't ever tell me you got squat from your CSA. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love because that. It's a small share, but people like to sign up. And, <laughs> yeah. So, so in, in line with convenience, awesome. we've also made it so that people can sign up for six weeks or they can sign up for 48. Like they could literally okay. sign up and be enrolled in our CSA program all year round. It, wow. Literally every day of the year we have food. So either we're growing it actively, we're storing it, we're, you know, we're always producing food, we're always growing it, we're always harvesting it. And so it's really exciting to be at that point where we grow enough that we can support this many people. Um, yeah. it's, it's always been a goal like of mine to continue to grow it um, way beyond myself and the year round part of it, it was something I've always done, but I said, how can I make this bigger? How can we do this so that everyone can feel supported by that who wants to eat well year round? Wow. Because that's the thing. People create habits, right? We all have habits. And sometimes to create new habits, we have to break old habits. Mm -hmm. But if farmers are only able to grow in the summer and only provide bounty in the summer, and CSA is only for the summer, which is like 90% of them at right. this point, and maybe even more than that, um, then, then it's really hard to maintain a good habit, isn't it? Right. Yeah. And we've designed by design, we've taught people that supporting farmers is only for the summer. Interesting. So um, how, how do you make that happen? How do you do the year round? And, well, and do you include meat in the CSA or is that kind have of separate? a meat share, which is separate okay. from our produce share. So our okay. CSA, so we have a meat share, a, a um, produce share, a bakery share, a dairy share, an egg share. So they can sign up for all the shares or if okay. they're feeling like, okay, I need to be on a budget because you know, we're all on a budget, right? Right. <laughs> they can sign up for a subscription instead, which will allow them access to all of those products, but it will allow their card like on our website to be billed weekly instead of having to pay everything at once. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, does. Yeah. Yep. So like rather than paying it all up front, they're paying it over time. And just like they would go to the grocery store and they would buy over time. Like you would go yeah. once a week and you would spend this amount. And then the next week you would go and you would spend this amount, right? But instead yeah. of grocery store food with, oh gosh, who knows where it came from, right? Exactly. <laughs> that you should be jealous of travel more miles than you ever have. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yes. But, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like with the farm, you are getting real fresh food, right? Mm -hmm. On a budget yep. and you choose the budget. And so we, we have those options available for people who want to be part of the farm, but don't necessarily want to spend it all up front. Interesting. That's brilliant. The whole year round thing. I think like the reasons you said, that's just brilliant I, because it's so true because it's just oh, like I try to get produce and everything all year round and you know, I can only have that option most of the CSAs. Yeah, exactly. Right. You don't have time. Right. I mean, that's, that's the thing. We're, we're in a, we're in a lifestyle now. All of us mm -hmm. are that we're so busy. Like, I, I mean, there's days, there's weeks when I don't even get off the farm. <laughs> like I don't even leave the farm. Like the I don't doubt that farm. with how much you do. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm still here. You know? <laughs> so, 
So I know you have like um, classes and workshops that you do. So I would love to hear a little bit about that, but also a question kind of in that realm too. Do you, do you teach other farms how to do this? Cause I'm just thinking what I, like, I knew you had an amazing thing there, but to hear the details of what you have, and this isn't even all of it. Like, so like, are you showing other farms how to do these kinds of things and, and have these ideas and think outside the box or is that part of the coming so, so it's kind of both. It's kind okay. of both. Um, so I've over the years have always either collaborated with other farmers, created programs that supported other farmers, um, offered advice. I get probably an email and or a call every single week with someone looking for information, um, asking how to do things. And I invite them to come to the farm and like spend a day, you know, like and help us out or work with us and alongside us. So not only can they can we talk and they have questions answered, but that they can also like just contribute in a meaningful way and feel good about like being connected and see, mm -hmm. like, I think it's not just about the words, right? It's about the experience. And so right. that's one of the reasons that I love for them to come out and see what's happening. And, and usually they're tagging me because they've already seen or they've heard or they've read or they've listened to something related to something I've done. And they say like, I really want to know more. Yeah. Um, and, and, I, and I think, um, so, so one of my future goals is to build a, production barn, that's what I'm calling it, on the farm that includes classes and workshop space. Um, we've been offering them for years, but I need a little bit of a more of a year round. There's the key term, mm -hmm. year round setting. Yes. Harvest <laughs> barn, right? With no insulation, which is the way I love it, and a wood stove. Mm -hmm. But not everyone is comfortable with that. <laughs> <laughs> Make it a little bit more comfortable for others. <laughs> exactly. So we're getting there. Like we're, I have a resource library that's going in on the second floor of that structure. Wow. And we did have plans during COVID, but of course we're set back just a little bit. So just we're getting a little there. bit. We're getting there. So buy more CSA shares, guys. And then we'll yes. So, <laughs> yeah. So so that is all coming underway. But everything from like you know how to farm to like offering farm stay programs that's been in development for a long time to like working with woofers and working with other farms who work with woofers. Well, um, what's, what's that? It's, it's called Worldwide Opportunities on Organic Farms. Um, oh, okay. We've, we've since outgrown the program, but when we were in our, some of our earlier stages and, and prior to COVID, we were able to manage having students from all over the world come and stay on the farm, wow. right? And we still have that, but not through that program, if that makes okay. sense. But we still yeah. have people that will come and visit. We still get cards in the mail, sometimes like cookies that are homemade to, to like thank <laughs> us, you know, giving us updates about oh. their lives and their children and their homesteads and like what they're doing now. Um, we've had people stay with us for up to a year, you know. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah. So it's been ongoing forever because, what you know, what's the point of doing all of this amazing stuff aside from eating if we're not sharing it? Right. Um, exactly. So that's, yeah, that's pretty important. Oh, those are amazing plans. I would love to do, maybe we can do like a, a video. At, well, this is on video as well, but like go like on the farm and walk yeah. around and show it. Like I think that would be. You can see all the so, weeds. Well, that's okay. It's natural. It's natural. <laughs> so you, you dropped a few of them along the way, but how can we be involved as people? Um, how can we participate? How can we support you? How can we be involved with your farm or with local farms in general? So, so the farmer's market are an easy shoe in, right? Because you access a lot of them there, although they don't all come out to the farmer's market. They try, but they, it takes a lot of time and resources to be able to come to farmer's market and set up yeah. shop, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, so if they're hosting a special event or they're doing a potluck or they're, they're, um, 
you know, essentially nearby and you just want to stop by and, and hope to reach one of them, <laughs> leave them a note, you know, like I've, I've gotten cards in the mail. Someone's mailed me seeds before, like really Aww. cute ways of connecting. Like, oh, I've never been to the farm, but I met you at such and such. And I wanted you to have this. Oh, you know, and like, there's just ways to, I think that help farmers feel supported because what they're doing is really hard. Mm. there's no doubt about that. Like I I've been doing it long enough to know, and there are so mm. many challenges on, in every single day. And there is a line or a quote that says like, you know, to be a farmer is to be an optimist. Right. <laughs> right. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, and there's so much out of your control. Right. It's some of the things you don't have control over and the things that you do, there's just so many of them all the time. Yeah. Um, when you're walking in both worlds of plants and animals and you're trying to find that really healthy microbiological balance, there's a lot of work involved in that. Yes. And, and Anna, I don't know anybody who works harder, to be honest with you. Farmers, farmers are at the top, um, but they are also like some of them have a really hard time. Some of them have mm. struggled with mental health problems. Some of them need to know that they're supported and that they're going to be supported. And, and sometimes they're not sitting at farmer's market, you know? Yeah. Um, it's yeah. just not possible. So it's good to know, like just a, a quick stop by or a letter in the mail or a card or some seeds or, you know, or, or ask them, how can we support you? We want to be involved in what you're doing. How can we join you? Right. That is brilliant. so crucial. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you. That that's a really good reminder because I think it is something that we can just take for granted and we just assume that the food is going to be there and that the farm down the street is going to stay there and just not thinking about, there's, there's a person behind that and, and the difficulty that goes along with that. So I'm glad you said that and, and shared that with us. So thank you. Um, so how can people get in touch with you? And I think that you have a special offer for my audience. So um, what is that? And um, how do they get in touch with you? Okay, so uh, we have a website for the farm to connect you initially, if it's easy, because it's easy to remember, right? Cold Spring Farm CT for Connecticut. So coldspringfarmct.com. And we have our farm stand that's open every single day of the year from dawn until dusk, but dusk is later. So, I mean, we just had a customer at 830, right? <laughs> so someone had an injury for ice cream. So <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. My bedtime's at nine. So that's the cutoff. We close it up by <laughs> so, so yeah, so we're open every day of the year. We're located at 46 Lake Hayward Town Road in Colchester, but we're also in East Haddam. So we're at the East Haddam Colchester border. Um, you can, again, find us through the website, contact us, visit us at Farmers Markets. We also organize the Colchester Farmers Market, which runs from Father's Day this year all the way through October, I think it's 16th. And then we run the East Haddam Farmers Market as well over at Ballack's Garden Center, the oldest farm in East Haddam. And um, that starts June 18th and goes through the end of August. Um, and so we also will host a bunch of events during the main season. So you can look out for those like classes and workshops, um, kids on the farm events, families on the farm events, um, and stargazing night with telescopes that will come from the Astronomical Society at New Haven. So we do, we do a lot of really cool events. Um, we, we also just a real quick thing. We just finally landed ourselves a food trailer. <gasps> that's so exciting yes so now we'll be able to do farm focused nutrition 
So prepare nice. meals to go. We'll do our cooking at the market like normal without the crazy tent setup. That's <laughs> amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. That's the big one. That's the newest thing that we're doing right now that a lot of people don't know about yet. But we're like, we have two weeks to launch. So I've been scrambling, trying to get everything organized and ready uh, for the main season so we can continue to offer our farm food and then also support other farmers as well by using their products in our dishes. Awesome. Thank you. And then there's also a 10% off discount yes. <laughs> at the farm stand. <laughs> yes. So you can use that anytime as long as you connect with this chick right here. Yes, that's right. Use Journey with Jenny in the book, right? And then yep. they'll get we'll 10%. Note in, the, in the farm stand notebook right below the cash box and let us know that that's why you're using it or where you got it from. And that would be wonderful because it will help to, to tag Jenny and find out how many yes. people are listening. Yes. I love it. Yes. Yeah. So go support them. Go support them. <laughs> awesome. Oh my goodness. Well, this has been absolutely amazing. So enlightening and so much fun. So thank you, Jess, for being our guest and being with us tonight. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. That's a wrap. Thanks so much for joining me on SM Enlightenment Radio or TV or joining us on the Journey with Jenny podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please download my podcast and leave a five-star rating and review. It really does help, and I would be so grateful. I'm Jenny. Have a good one.